Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode of the Old Dogs REI Network is brought to you by Mino Studio. In a world where jobs are how most people make money, one man, one desire, one challenge dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money. Money works for us. Coming soon. Viewer discretion advised. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where cash flow is king. Real estate investing, the means, so you can enjoy your retirement dreams. This is the show where we cut right to the chase. No sales pitch, no long monologues, just simple how-to real estate investing advice, so you can earn the passive income you need to enjoy your retirement today. And now, your host and chief old dog, Bill Manassero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host, Bill Manassero, and this is the show where 50 plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no sales pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays. And if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dogs, D A W G S, spelled D-A-W-G-S, find our podcast and subscribe. Well, we have uh, a guest today I'm, I'm really stoked to have on. He is certainly no stranger to the Old Dogs REI Network. Um, he has uh, been on pr- three previous shows. Uh, first one starting in 2017, another in 2018, and then one in 2019. So it's been a few years since we spoke, and uh, I'm really excited to have him on. I'm talking about Hunter Thompson. And Hunter is a full-time real estate investor and founder of uh, ASIM Capital. Since uh, founding ASIM, Hunter has helped more than 400 retail investors acquire over $150 million of mobile home parks, self-storage, retail office, ATM machines, and cryptocurrency assets. Man, he is in all these areas here. Now, Hunter is also the host of the popular Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast, which has received over 1 million downloads. 
He also wrote Raising Capital for Real Estate, which hit number one on Amazon in real estate sales and selling. And I might add that that book in particular, um, we are, you know, we always ask our guests what uh, uh, their favorite real estate investing book is, and it's starting to come up more and more often. So I am really stoked to welcome back Hunter Thompson. How are you doing, brother? Hey, really appreciate the introduction and looking forward to the conversation. Oh, well, me too. And uh, he's, a, he's a neighbor too, a little bit south of me here, uh, actually north of me here in Orange County. He's in LA area. But yeah, I'd like to just kind of catch up. It's been a few years. Uh, tell me what you've been up to. Well, uh, a lot has gone on. You know, uh, we've experienced some pretty significant growth in our company and our though we have experienced growth, you know, our investment thesis has remained the same. You know, we have a very boring investment thesis that does change uh, in terms of percentages of allocation. But generally speaking, just the slow and steady uh, recession resistant assets. Now, to your point, we did recently, you know, offer a, a Bitcoin mining fund. And I think there's an interesting play there. It's uncorrelated to the overall economy. But uh, mobile home parks, self storage, and uh, multifamily apartments still are seventy to ninety percent of what we do on an annual basis. Yeah, in fact, uh, back in twenty seventeen, uh, you were talking about investing in self storage when it wasn't even cool, you know. <laughs> and now, like everybody's going crazy for self storage. Um, That's true. I'll uh, actually just add just a, a piece of that because it's you're right. Um, at least in the online space, that was something that we were a little bit ahead of the curve of. But if you want to look up a chart, if you're not familiar with me already, I'll say probably the most proud like chart of my career. Green Street Advisors um, did a study of NOI growth across all the popular commercial real estate assets. And you're one of the few people that you know. I mean, I was focused on mobile home parks and self-storage since around 2012 or so. And those two asset classes um, just absolutely crushed everyone else in terms of NOI growth. Now, that doesn't paint the whole picture, of course. Uh, cap rate compression is another piece of this, and multifamily was a massive benefactor of that. But um, NOI growth is very predictable, and so that will paint a picture of how we view the space. You know, We're looking for predictable cash flow based on supply and demand, and we think that those three asset classes still to this day are – you know, it's weird to say undervalued just given what's taken place in cap rates, but I'm going to make the case today that we've got room. And if you think it's competitive now and if you think cap rates are low now, uh, just wait. So we'll talk about all that data point. But uh, yeah, so there you go. Well, you also had, uh, like the rest of us here, um, had the opportunity to uh, deal with um, COVID and the results of COVID and uh, what impact that might have had on those investment areas, which I know at the time when we were talking that uh, you were saying these are, you know, pretty much inflation proof type investments. And uh, how did they fare, uh, you know, during that that difficult time period? Let's talk about the, the past and we can also talk about going forward because this is a really important topic for right now. But I mean, inflation in real estate, I think a lot of people think that real estate is a hedge against inflation, which would kind of imply that it's a wash, and it's it's just not the case. Inflation is a massive benefit and to real estate owners of particular asset classes. So 
multifamily apartments for sure, but even more so mobile home parks and especially self storage. Um, both mobile home parks and self storage are repriced on a monthly basis as opposed to multifamily apartments, which is typically every 12 months. And let's say office, which can be five years. So from an inflation standpoint, just from a repricing standpoint, self-storage and mobile home parks are extremely desirable. But can I add a little bit more detail there? Because I think that that's something that a lot of people already know. And there's just, there's levels to this inflation discussion, which is so imperative right now. Sure. Yeah. Bring it on. So there's basically, as far as real estate's concerned, there's two types of inflation and there's three segments of inflation that make inflation really, really compelling. So the first is asset price inflation, which is where as the money supply increases, asset prices, the multiple on which these assets are traded increases. So the value increases even if the NOI does not increase. And I think that a lot of people see that intuitively. They look at the stock market. They look at, I'm sure you've seen the chart that compares the money supply with the stock market, especially since 2008, it goes mm-hmm. up and to the right with a lot of correlation. Um, but that is not the only reason that inflation is a benefit to real estate owners. The other piece of this is what takes place at NOI, net operating income. And this is especially true of assets that have very low operating expense ratios like self-storage. So I think a lot of us make the mistake of thinking that if inflation impacts everything in our business equally, that it's basically a wash, which would make sense without looking at the numbers. So if inflation is taking place in your market at, let's say, 8% per year, then you would anticipate that rental growth would increase by about 8% per year. And if you're being conservative, you would also anticipate that expenses would increase at about 8% per year. And so that can sound like there wouldn't really be any impact to the net operating income. And so there's no one's really in a position to complain or have a celebration because it's like inflate, it's up, it's down. It's, it's all kind of a one-to-one ratio, but especially in self storage or even you know, B class, C class, multifamily apartments, it is not a one-to-one ratio between expenses and income. So usually most operating expense ratios in self-storage are like 35% multifamily apartments, you know, 80s build properties, you know, 38, 42%. And so what that means is that if rents are going up by 8% and expenses are going up by 8%, because there's far more rental growth, then there is expense growth on a proportional basis, the net actually increases significantly, so much so that the higher the rate of inflation, the more net operating income you create. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Good point. But then there's this extra piece that almost no one talks about, which is the purchasing power of the borrowed money that you've borrowed to purchase these assets. And this is where the story gets really compelling and why we can tie it into the conversation around interest rates. So when we buy a $15 million piece of property, we put down $5 million or so, we buy a $15 million property, we get a $10 million loan. In today's dollars, that $10 million is obviously $10 million. But what inflation does to the borrowed dollars 
is it erodes the purchasing power to the rate of inflation, meaning that if we do see 8% inflation for 10 years or even seven or eight years, the purchasing power of that $10 million is cut in half over that time period, meaning that I still have to pay them the $10 million back, but the value of that $10 million is cut to today's dollars of $5 million. This is insanely beneficial to real estate owners who have borrowed money at relatively inexpensive rates. And we can talk about what that means, but that is a crazy, crazy, holy cow moment. And when you combine all of them, asset price inflation, consumer price inflation, meaning rental growth, and also the destruction of the purchasing power of the borrowed money that you will pay the bank back, you have the trifecta of awesome opportunity as a real estate entrepreneur. Yeah, and I, I think if you add to that the the value of the asset um, compared to what you you paid for it in in dollars from you know years past, I mean you've got this huge gain. It seems that um, you know the benefit would you know when you even look at the, when you look at the equity side would just be outstanding. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And so these things need to be taken into account when we're thinking about what happens when infl inflation takes place, and especially when there's political pressure, the central banks tend to raise interest rates. And so right now, there's a lot of discussion around what that means. And I, I actually just interviewed 22 experts on this topic. I have a summit that's coming up about this exact topic, rising interest rates, inverted yield curves, and recessions, and what they mean for real estate entrepreneurs. And I was able to interview people in different niches, and they gave me some really good insights in terms of like what this means. By the way, you can learn more about that summit at 100k2invest.com. It's a free summit. It's going to kick butt. But um, what I want to talk to you about is that when interest rates rise, that impacts deals. Like that's not some like indicator of something down the line. It's happening right now. I personally know a $30 million property that was bounced out of escrow because the interest rates rise during the period, during the escrow period. But to put it in context, interest rates are still negative on a real inflation adjusted basis. So compound all of the, the trifecta that I just mentioned with the fact that you can actually borrow money at negative rates. And so when people talk about what interest rates rising means for cap rates, you know, if you look at the historical data, those two things do not move in lockstep with each other, but they do move much more closely in lockstep with each other on a real inflation adjusted basis. And right now, Rates are negative when adjusting for inflation, meaning that if inflation is at 8% and you can borrow money at 4%, you can get this trifecta not only for free, but for they pay you. This <laughs> is crazy. 4%. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, are you um, are you seeing that, that rise of interest rates um, – uh, you know, in, in any projects you're working on right now, uh, I mean, you mentioned that one that fell out of escrow. I didn't know if that was one of yours, but uh, um, is that uh, is that something that's impacting any of the deals you're working on? Yeah, so good question. So just to kind of clarify for those that aren't familiar, so we are a, uh, I'm a registered representative 
um, under FINRA. I raise capital professionally. And so we're one step removed from the specifics operations of these various assets. And that's, by the way, why we're able to participate in a diverse group of property types, because we are not um, niched down like you should be if you are an operator. So I just wanted to provide that. So some people think, how can he possibly know all this stuff? Well, we're not, we don't know, quote, all this stuff. We know one thing, which is how to find great deals or deals that we believe to be great. And so what that means is that different operators are being impacted differently based on their strategy, who is providing the debt, et cetera. But I'll give you an example. I know that you know, residential rates, for example, increased, you know, 150, 175 basis points when people were anticipating that maybe that they would increase 175 basis points over a two year period. Well, the same is not true for the uh, bridge loans that are sourced by uh, debt funds. Um, you know, we've seen about a 50%, excuse me, 50 basis point increase in those types of loans. So our deals have not been as jeopardized as some of the people that might be using different debt vehicles. But do I think that's going to go on forever? Probably not. But I think it's clear that those uh, debt funds that a lot of people are using for multifamily purchases right now are not as deeply impacted by the residential mortgage rates. It's obviously clear. Yeah, that's that's uh, something that I'm seeing too a lot. I mean, the Fannie and Freddie days seem like they're on pause here um, for a lot of investors because it uh, just doesn't make doesn't make sense. Um, whereas uh, I think a lot of the bridge loans and the shorter term vehicles are, are having. Um, uh, I mean, they're, they're real popular right now. At least uh, you know from what I'm. Uh, hearing from other investors and, um, and just the, the projects I know about. Correct. That's right. Wow. Well, uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. One, I love that the fact that you're, you're diversified, that you are in, uh, different areas, even, even crypto. And, uh, um, did you see during this, you know, this, time period, the two-year time period here, you know, certain asset classes that did maybe much better and in others that didn't perform as well? Well, obviously, retail and office got really challenged uh, during the COVID lockdowns. And then also senior living, of course, has had real serious challenges as well because of the unique impacts of COVID as it relates to the age of the population and such, and the fact that in a senior living community, you're surrounded by people who are um, of higher risk, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. And so in the asset classes that we've had that have been retail office, senior living, um, you know, there's been, there is, it's not like multifamily where everything is just, holy cow, just you're printing money basically. Um, you know, we stopped distributions in a senior living property, which by the way, almost everyone in the industry has done, um, mm -hmm. because it, you know, it, you have to pause. And, and one other thing about the senior living business, um, the operating expense ratio is actually quite high going back to that conversation about inflation. However, the demand for the product is so incredible that I think once these short term problems are resolved, the tailwinds are just massive for that industry. I and mean, you've seen the data, you know what the demographics look like and what's about to happen in that industry. And, you know, we think we're well positioned from a cap rate standpoint, buying assets at nine and a half caps, mm -hmm. you know, and which I anticipate, I would not be surprised if that was a sub six 
kind of environment in let's say five or 10 years, just given that everyone's chasing yield. And this is a really important point. You know, central banks all over the world printed about $10 trillion just in the last two years. So when that happens, there's a tsunami of liquidity searching for yield, or I said, Che, surging through the economic picture. And I think United States real estate is by far and away the most favorable risk adjusted vehicle in the world. Obviously, that's why we do it. Right. So, but there's this incredible supply and demand imbalance, both of assets to demand, but also in terms of investment vehicles to liquidity. And so when we have these assets, I think I'm very, very bullish despite the recent discussions around, you know, the inversion of the yield curve, interest rates rising, et cetera. Right. Did you see a boost in any of your asset classes uh, that you didn't uh, anticipate? Well, yeah, I mean, we have uh, we have multifamily apartments in Phoenix and Phoenix just experienced there was a time where we were going through due diligence and the the market, which is the fifth largest market in the country, experienced 15 percent year over year rental growth Hmm. as a massive city. Phoenix is going crazy. We (laughs) checked the data again in June and it was 20 percent. We checked it again at July, it was 25%. It got up to 33% year-over-year rent growth. Rent growth is supposed to be a non-volatile figure because rent growth is based on sound fundamentals. Like in 2008, when there was these massive new loan products and equity valuations just shot through the roof, rental growth is not supposed to be like that. But when you have hundreds of thousands of people moving to a city, when you lead the country in population growth, job growth, income growth, net worth, you're going to see that. And it's just to see that type of rent growth during 2020 is is not something we anticipated, it's certainly not something we underwrote, but these values, uh, you know, they, they are go- the sales are going to speak for themselves. Wow. Wow. What about uh, self-storage? I, I know that, there, you know, the, the whole shift in, um, you know, remote... Uh, uh, you know, jobs and so forth, you know, did that impact uh, self-storage or um, in, in any way? Well, I think self-storage is probably the number one asset class of the 2020 experience. Really? Because all of the, you know, if you go back and listen to our interviews that we did in 2017, that thesis was proven quite accurately. And I, I don't want to if you go back and listen to my interviews, I think I probably make fun of myself quite a bit. And so this interview has been a little bit different because um, a lot of the things that took place back then, we played out exactly as anticipated. Now, I have mentioned like, you know, senior living retail. I mean, it's Ill- illegal to go to retail centers for some sense. I don't want to give the impression that it's all good. But the point is diversification pays off because mm-hmm. I couldn't have predicted that it would be illegal to go to retail, Right. But that's one of the reasons why we are positioned in the marketplace like we are, because it's difficult to predict these kind of black swan events. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to self-storage, though, I think that not only did it play out the way we anticipated, the fact that tenants aren't supposed to actually spend much time there was a massive benefactor given the the nature of the black swan event, a virus that was communicable between people. There's not supposed to be any people on the asset. Right. So <laughs> there was really no pause. And the things around, you know, recessions and downsizing, they kind of played out as we anticipated as well. 
Oh, I mean, just the the number of offices that uh, I mean that, that were vacated and so forth. Right. I would imagine this, you know, they would need storage, uh, uh, you know, and people relocating and all the the dynamics. Um, I would think self storage would do really well. But uh, I'm hearing it from the horse's mouth there, so it definitely sound like uh, sounds like uh, you benefited too. That's great. Exactly. Wow. Well, um, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're in these various areas. Sounds like you're doing some great research too. You're talking to economists. Nobody likes to be the uh, Nostradamus here, but uh, you know, <laughs> what, what, what are you hearing? What are you feeling that the uh, the future, you know, the short and longer term, uh, have in store for us, especially those that are in this uh, investment space. Yeah, good question. So uh, before going into that, I want to just provide some context because I said, well, this is kind of weird because I've just been talking about some wins. So I'll definitely talk about uh, a major L I took, (laughs) um, (laughs) which is about interest rates. Mm -hmm. So I have been very vocal that I think that interest rates are going down and to the right um, for quite some time. And um, I guess I should say we were in the debate Um, My partner, Ryan Smith, and I in the debate, um, Ryan is part of another firm, but in the debate, we were partners making the argument that the trend would continue, you know, and over the last 40 years, people that have been um, kind of concerned or wondering or investing based on interest rates rising significantly back to what they refer to as historical norms um, were wrong and that they were investing incorrectly. It's not just being conservative. If you think that interest rates are going to rise in 2017 and you stop doing deals in multifamily in 2017, you know, you can say you're being conservative, but we like doubled investor capital since then. So I don't really know, you know, <laughs> I don't really know what the right way to address that is. But in that debate, I mentioned that over the next 24 months, and this is the nature of the debate, interest rates would go down from where they were. It's been 12 months. I think it's now very likely that we're going to lose. We won the debate, by the way, but I think it's very likely that we're going to lose the the actual fact of what's going to happen. Um, I just want to be transparent about that. But I still believe that interest rates will continue down and to the right over the long term. And I, I think that people that are concerned about interest rates rising to what they refer to as historical norms or averages is not the right way of thinking about it. Um, I think that the question is far more likely, when are they going to go negative? And I have quite a bit of data to back that up. Basically, the entire world, the industrialized world has negative interest rates. And the other pieces of the industrialized world are not the global reserve currency. So I just do not see how the U.S. is not going to eventually, over an infinite time horizon, my confidence is 100%, that's not really useful as an investor, but over an infinite time horizon, the the United States government and the politicians will eventually push the, push the can so far down the road that they must go negative. And like I mentioned, currently, rates are negative on a real adjusted basis. So I may have been wrong in the debate, and that's fine. Um, but I really do think that's going to continue. And I think cap rates are going to continue as well. Um, real quick, I saw Kathy Fedke post something about this and she's someone who I really look up to in this industry as well. And she posted the, the 100 year interest rate chart, which I look at all the time. And she showed the averages being like 7.7. And just looking at that, like, I just don't see the average being a relevant figure. 
that's just not the way I read the chart. Mm -hmm. It looks like this massive trend line from 1970s to the 2000s down into the right. And so if you say like, oh, what's the, it's like saying, hey, what's, this is a really good analogy, at least from my perspective, self-acclaimed good analogy. But mm -hmm. if you were to look at the last 10 years of Tesla stock and say the average is $300, it's like, that's not a relevant figure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's exactly. not to show you what you should anticipate things heading towards right. from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a real good point. Uh, I what's what are your thoughts on on the housing industry right now as a whole? I mean, we're talking about a shortage of product. We're talking about um, uh, you know the interest rates obviously changing. We're seeing, uh, I think, at this time, uh, what one one third of uh, home prices is actually coming down. What do you see there, and how do you think that will impact us real estate investors? I think that there's obviously a massive shortage of housing, particularly affordable housing in the United States. Um, I did some research on this topic from another debate that I was in. Um, and depending on who you ask, the United States is short about three to five million units of housing. And housing has not come back and development has not come back in that time. So the demand is there. If you look at the, the data in terms of income, net worth, rental growth, they're all suggesting that they're trending up and to the right. I mean, net worth and income are basically at all-time highs, and then you may see that and say, okay, well then, if everyone's leveraged to the moon, then that figure is irrelevant. Like if you borrowed $100 million, you, your net worth would be really high, but your situation would not be healthy. I don't know about your personal situation. If I personally borrowed hundred million dollars on my personal balance sheet, that would not, that would give me a improper look at what I, you know, should be doing with my time and, and money. But the reality is, um, debt service coverage on a household basis is at a 40 year low. So you compound that with a shortage of supply. And I think you're going to see again, housing prices continue to rise. Now, Will they continue to rise at 20% per year? No, no. But if that cools off to 15% or 10% or 8%, historically like close to all-time highs. So the point, though, is that this is not being driven by some unique ahistoric loan product. It's being driven by the sound fundamentals, the reason we love real estate, supply and demand. That's interesting. There's so much a discussion and debate uh, in in this area. You even have people like uh, Neil Bawa that says that the, uh, the 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 calculations are off because they're estimating a population growth that just isn't happening right now. And uh, mm. you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, in terms of you know projecting a, a shortage um, when in fact it you know they're there it may be a lot less than we think um, in terms of the needs and the housing. So it's yeah, there's a, there's a lot of lot of discussion there. But I, I I think that that's I mean obviously key to to those of us that are especially heavily in the multifamily space um, uh, in terms of you know how we're going to be able to uh, continue to uh, um, you know generate the kinds of profits we need too. You know, what do you look at? Uh, it's interesting that you've moved into crypto. I don't know if you want to address that a little bit uh, on the mining side. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd like to get your thoughts on crypto and on 
other asset classes maybe you you aren't in yet that you're maybe considering going into? Yeah, so the the Bitcoin mining space is interesting because a lot, well, first of all, everyone listening to this right now is um, suffering from some degree of Bitcoin FOMO, right? <laughs> like, right. and if you're not, you totally should be because <laughs> there, pretty much everyone would have benefited if they had more, mm -hmm. right? So, but uh, there's a lot of reasons that our investor base are kind of averse to investing in those types of products because they don't provide depreciation, they don't provide cash flow, there's no predictability of outcome. And so it's interesting because Bitcoin mining provides an opportunity to get exposure to that space without foregoing significant cash flow or the potential for significant cash flow depreciation because you're investing in machinery, miners in this case, and um, some predictability of outcome just because uh, historically speaking, the distributions from miners are not as volatile as the price of Bitcoin. They're related, but they're not, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. Right. So we started doing some research on the space and found a sponsor that we're you know, really excited about the relationship and, you know, don't want to go into too much detail about the specifics of any opportunities we have, but um, if you want to go to our website, you can learn more at asymcapital.com. And that's a very interesting, and by the way, that's not um, something we typically, it's not the profile of the deal we typically do, but it really resonated with our audience. We have a lot of libertarian investors just because I put out of a lot of libertarian sympathetic uh, content. And so, you know, we've raised almost $10 million for that offering and it's really resonated with our group. Awesome. That's great. Well, yeah, I, I did have one question, you know, specific to our audience that I, I wanted to present to you. And, and one thing that I'm noticing that uh, a lot of folks that are in that retirement space or approaching the retirement space, the, the people that we target, you know, for this show um, have been taking advantage of, you know, the, the just the, the high prices right now uh, of real estate to, to liquidate and uh, take a much, uh, much more passive role. Those who are uh, that, you know, that may own their own assets as opposed to, you know, syndicators. And, you know, they're kind of in that, that mode of, okay, this is, you know, I'm, I'm moving totally into, into, you know, investing in other people's projects now. And I know your book is just excellent, uh, you know, in, in touching on that area and, uh, and some of the dynamics there. But, um, you know, you have people here that are, that are that their income is based on rental income for the most part. Um, and it could be in the self-storage mobile home or single family home. They're kind of anxious to kind of replace that income. So there's like a little gap there. You know, you're, you're one, you're hunting for uh, the right sponsors and the right uh, operators that uh, would have, you know, that you feel comfortable putting your money into. But then there also, uh, there's this little gap here. Okay, I'm, I'm losing my rental income. I have to replace that. And, uh, you know, I live off of this income. Um, yeah. Are, are you finding that, 
you know, that operators are, are creating more product to be able to give people a more immediate return on, I know there's a lot of funds, everybody's got funds now. And, um, you know, that wasn't the case, you know, when, when I first started investing, but there's, there's just a lot of funds out there, you know, and more like REITs um, that are popping up here. Are you seeing, you know, products out there that would be more desirable for the person that is just the cash flow investor who is looking, okay, I don't want to have to sit and wait, you know, for the the equity play here. I, w- I want to be able to, you know, get that cash flow going as soon as possible. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's one of the reasons we've done some stuff in the Bitcoin mining space and the ATM business in particular. It's very difficult to uh, to get especially unleveraged significant cash flow or the potential for significant cash flow in today's environment. Um, and yet it is a really good idea to have some exposure to to both equity related assets and also assets that may depreciate not just from a tax standpoint, but also from a valuation standpoint. So with the ATM business, for example, the return profile is with the understanding that the asset itself will be useless in let's say seven or eight or nine years. And so the cash flow is such that it can make up for that uh, to the point where the cash flow is actually higher than the IRR. Mm. So you could see a situation where the cash flow, you know, 25% or something like that, and the IRR is 18%. Well, how? Because you're not selling the asset. It's just going to go to zero, but the cash flow is such that it creates the opportunity for you to pay off expenses. You're getting your own money back potentially from a risk-adjusted basis or a risk mitigation basis. And- those are really compelling things to add into your portfolio, especially when multifamily apartments are trading at sub four caps. Right. And so we do a combination of both at ASIM Capital. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, um, you have uh, some some interesting events coming up here, and I, I did, I did want to give you some time to address that and you know some of the benefits that people might have in in attending or participating in these events. Um, would cool. you mind, yeah, kind of addressing that? Yeah. So first of all, I appreciate the opportunity. So I am, I've been able to work on a lot of things, a lot of cool webinars, podcasts, interviews, live events, online events, et cetera. But the thing I have coming up is like, oh my gosh, it, I am so glad the timing is just so perfect to put out something like this. The 100 K to invest summit is the answers to a lot of people's questions right now. You know, the inflation discussion we're having right now, that is a massive warning to everyone that's concerned and potentially sitting on the sidelines. Like your capital will be eroded. That discussion around the $10 million the bank has lent you being eroded, do not be on the losing side of that argument. So with that said though, the economic winds are shifting. There's going to be some winners, there's going to be some losers, and it's important to navigate these waters with a lot of confidence and knowledge. Um, this isn't like a mindset thing. This is, you got to really know what you're doing. And so we put together the 100 K to invest summit where I actually interviewed 22 experts in different niches. So mineral rights, investing, cell storage, mobile home parks, Bitcoin mining, uh, RV parks, discounted, uh, non-performing notes, performing notes, development, low income tax. I can go on and on. Every single interview is a niche or a strategy when I think about strategies, I think about things like infinite banking or uh, tax exposure reduction, such like that. Every single interview from a past investor's standpoint is designed to 
accomplish one of the three buckets of wealth creation, which from my perspective are protect, grow, and multiply. And so each day we talk about one of those buckets. And so at the end of the summit, you'll have a very good understanding as far as my view, some of our experts' views, and um, you'll have a lot of confidence. So you can learn more about that, like I said, at 100k2invest.com. It's a free summit. All you got to do is put your name and email address in. Of course, if you upgrade to the VIP thing, you get like all these extra bonuses and um, get direct access to some of our speakers. And so it's really cool. I'm excited about it. And you can watch it at your own time, which is the best part. That's great. And, and, and the format is um, uh, basically, uh, I mean, it's going to be one-on-one interviews, panels. Uh, um, how, is, how is that going to be presented? Are they going to be like just uh, like individual um, seminars or webinars? Yeah. So it's basically one-on-one interviews that are about one particular topic. So I think, um, you know, this podcast is a good example. We've talked about a lot of different things. And so, you know, you can get a lot out of a podcast interview, but if we had only talked about inflation for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes, like the level of depth and sophistication is usually higher than what most podcast interviewees or listeners want. But the summit is very specific so that if you, all you want to learn about is investing in A-class properties late in the cycle, we've got an excellent interview with Dan Hanford who's purchased almost a billion dollars of class A assets. And so the, the only thing we talk about we don't say like, hey, what's going on? Like, how's your recent vacation? What's your new dog's name? Just like straight into the topic. And so you get, you know, 22 interviews with that kind of mindset of each particular niche or strategy. That's great. That's great. And uh, uh, might add too, we're going to have a link in our show notes to that too. So as you're oh, great. you're going over, you know, what you had spoken about already, um, we're going to have a link there for folks that are interested in signing up. So um, or checking it out. So um, that's that's really a great. Uh, great program and it's definitely uh, timely uh, there are so many things going on right now that uh, we have to be aware of and and prudent in in our investing um, that uh, I, I, I I you know I love from what I've heard already that uh, you're going to be covering uh, uh, that very broad span um, that I think uh, you know, our investors need to need to know about so uh, th- thank you for for sharing that Happy to do it, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Wow. Well, uh, uh, this is uh, this has been great uh, having you on, Hunter. I, I, I didn't know if there's any other things that uh, you wanted to address. Uh, if you get a, you know, uh, that we didn't touch on uh, that you think might be significant for our listeners right now, especially as it pertains to you know investing, uh, passive investing today in our economy. Yeah. So I mean, I'll keep it brief. Um, this is one of those massive wealth adjustment moments in the economic history. Like the $10 trillion bomb that the central bank set off is going to have massive ripple effects of the economy, both in terms of asset price inflation, consumer price inflation, and also the destruction of debt. And so how we play this game over the next five years in particular is really, really important. So I want investors to have confidence to make the right investments with the right sponsors, but with a lens through which to view this opportunity, which is an economic lens. Everyone is playing the same game. Some people don't know it, but they're all playing the game of economics. And so I have a really specific focus on it because if you're really good at what you do and you're not knowledgeable about the economic side of things, you can get wiped out without paying attention to it and it'll be blindsiding. 
So the summit that we did, you know, it's it's through that lens. What makes sense right now? And it doesn't mean that you guys should be investing with me or, or anyone like that. I just want to give you the view of the potential out there so that you can get money off of the sidelines because that for sure I know is going to be the massive losers of this next shift is those who were frozen by analysis paralysis. So I just want to give you guys the confidence. So I appreciate it. Great. That's great. And I think that, you know, one of the big pluses, too, of um, your approach as well as, well as this uh, conference coming up is the the uh, the diversification aspect, which I think is is really key. Um, we don't know if there's going to be a, a crash. You know, a lot of people say, no, no, it's impossible. We can't. And other people are saying it's 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 already evident, you know, and uh, um, so, you know, if something hits that hard, um, you want to know that you, you you're protected in some way. And, and, there, and there may be areas where, you know, you, you do get hurt, but you'll have other areas that, um, you know, maybe will. <laughs> like like you were talking about self storage, where that just go through the roof, yep. um, because you've you've uh, again you've balanced your portfolio and you've uh, diversified enough uh, to be able to to you know hedge whatever's going to happen. Awesome, thanks a lot for the opportunity, Bill. Well, it's been my pleasure again, man, having you on. I, 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 I sorry, I missed a couple of years there <laughs> since I started this podcast where, where we weren't talking. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad you came on and, uh, and for the update and some of the great stuff that you're doing. It's just, it's just awesome. Sounds great. I also want to thank all our old dog listeners out there for joining us today. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now, but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot, and we really appreciate it. Now, please note, everything that Hunter talked about today will be outlined in detail in our detailed show notes on the Old Dogs website at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog and you're going to look for the episode with hunter thompson the, like we mentioned there'll also be a link to this event that's coming up in there as well well that's the show for today remember cash flow is king and real estate investing the means until next time keep moving forward and may god bless thank you very much for visiting the old dogs rei network we would greatly appreciate if you would stop by itunes and let us know what you think of the show we would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.